the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Indeed, it's time for the Larry Rosenthal Show with Larry Rosenthal himself. Good morning and happy Mother's Day to you. Yes, Chris. Happy Mother's Day right back to you and to all the moms out there. Mom, I love you. Happy Mother's Day. Um, you know, looking forward to the, the barbecue weekend again. Right, yeah, Chris? It's a special time to be able to celebrate our moms and just you know let them know how much we love them. And they deserve some special treatment about now. Without a doubt, every day, as a matter of fact, every day. So, well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. I'd like to continue to welcome our longtime listeners in the D.C., Baltimore area, WAVA, as well as our longtime listeners now. You can call them longtime Chris on Sirius XM Family Talk 131 across the country, border to border, sea to shining sea. Amen. Yep. Lots yep. of fun. So, hey, let's let's just break down this market today. Oh, wow. My. What a week, Chris. Economic news flying all around the place. Right. And and what are, what are we to make of it, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing but a clear-looking cloud, right? Clear there you go. Cloud. It's clearly cloudy when it comes to economic news these days. You sound like our <laughs> forecaster now. <laughs> right, right. So what does this mean? What is it telling us? You know, first of all, earlier this week, past federal chairman um, – uh, chair, chairperson, I should say, Janet Yellen, who who chaired the Fed from 2014 to 2018, who is now in her current uh, Treasury Secretary, basically jumped out earlier this week and said, you know, uh, she's got a little bit of uh, concerns that the Fed may have to bump interest rates if inflation continues. And that created a massive sell-off earlier part of this week. And then quickly that afternoon... She reversed right, right. her, her so statement saying, you know, but hold on a second. After we get an initial rise of inflation due to the re-inflating, the reopening of the economy, pressures are likely to ebb uh, and, and go sideways a little bit, you know. And that, that falls in the narrative of what policymakers are talking about at the Fed saying, look, we see an initial rise in inflation with the uptick or the opening of the economy. This should last probably till you know, mid-year or so, give or take a few weeks. And and then we see inflation being tempered, you know, just sort of ebb and flow along, not that big of a concern, although they are watching it. And if you take a look at the market activity this year, year to date, it's been about the inflation narrative. We've talked about this a lot on the show, and I want to drive this home again. 
perfect proof is in the pudding yesterday when we had the jobs number. The, the market was expecting about a million jobs to be created in, in April, and we came in at 266,000. Unemployment ticked up a little bit. That was a huge miss. And then you would get you get such a bad jobs market uh, or, or jobs report all of a sudden, and the markets rise pretty strong, right? Why is that? Because we know that if we continue to get too much reopening in too short of a period of time, that's going to put a lot of pressure on prices and inflation. And when we get out of control inflation, the Federal Reserve will step in and tamp down the brakes of the economy and stocks. All stocks do not like that. And that's exactly what is. You see it played out this past week from a perfect economic academia position of, of too much inflation, too little inflation, and the stock market reacting exactly the way it should be in those scenarios right there. So what we want is we want long-term, systematic improvement, little by little, not in big, massive chunks, where it can tilt Fed policy decisions one way or the other. So so from that standpoint, you know, we, we, we want to see the economy open, we want to see jobs grow, but we want it to be done at a pace in such a way that the Fed stays happy in their own corner, right? That's what we want to have happen uh, as far as that goes. Speaking of, of, of the markets, you know, Fidelity came out with a report this past week that nearly 40% of all their new accounts that were opened this year in the first quarter were people that were aged 35 or younger. Wow. Very nice. Glad to see that group finally getting into the market, finally understanding the importance of long-term equity growth uh, for, for themselves, which is very good. Uh, money went into ETFs, mutual funds, all kinds of things. And, and, and so, so very good. Good news when it, when it, when it comes of, to all of that. Of as market, far as the the um, earnings reports are going, earnings are coming in, uh, you know, very nice. And and uh, in the in the first quarter here, you know, we're still in April, May, June quarter reporting earnings for the first quarter, January, February, March of this year. Uh, versus uh, of 2020, the, the first quarter. So earnings are still coming in nice and strong uh, as predicted, and and that's sort of the narrative. You know, we've got we've got the tax conversation, we've got the inflation conversation, and we have corporate earnings conversation, and that's what's going to be driving our stock market this year. So, so. is this the inflation? Is this all because of uh, supply and demand? Is that really what we're looking at with regards to the when market? you? Yes, Chris, definitely. And and the true definition of inflation is too many dollars chasing too few goods and yeah. here's the, the the scenario that we're in right now so if we just sort of break this down and unpack it a little bit what we have is this time last year functionally the economy was shut down right mm -hmm. so we had nothing happen in the economy and for a year we've sort of burned off inventory right and supply chain shut down consumers shut down but we still did consume goods but we consume those goods without so much supply chain happening. And now all of a sudden, with the vaccine and the lightening up of COVID restrictions, the economy is opening up much quicker than we can get the supply chains around the world functioning at full capacity again. So we have too much demand in the marketplace right now given supply. That's driving up prices. On top of that, we also have um, um, and, and so when that happens, you, you, you see interest rates starting to push up in the bond market, even though the Fed is saying, hey, we're keeping our rates low, but the natural bond market is starting to, to raise rates. 
And when you get inflation in the system, that's what stocks don't like. Now, there are some stocks that do well in a opening cycle. If you look at the business cycle, if you look at a 10-year business cycle, we're starting a new one now. Coming out of the COVID recession, we're starting a new business cycle now, and you can put those into thirds. You've got you've got the the initial stages or the opening of a cycle, then you've got mid cycle and and peak cycle, and the mid cycle is the longest years of of the ten years period of time, and we are halfway out of the opening cycle and halfway in to the mid cycle, and during this period of time is when you're you're more your more inflation-sensitive stocks will do well, but they will give way to growth stocks soon, okay? Mm -hmm. And that's what the narrative is, unless inflation continues uh, to run th- to run rampant, which, again, policymakers and a lot of economists say They're it may not, yeah, that may not also, be They'll the also case. jump in at that point and kind of sort of tamp it down a little bit and maybe hopefully have it recover a little bit better if they did, right? <laughs> Excuse me. And that is the fear of the stock market Mm -hmm. is if the fed jumps in and tightens and starts to taper its bond buying program or starts to raise interest rates that usually doesn't bode well for the economy because then they have to navigate a soft landing and you know sometimes they do sometimes they don't (laughs) so so that's that's kind of the deal but all in all right now keep your eyes on the middle of this year we'll get a much stronger set of data on where inflation is and where it's most likely going to be going as well as corporate earnings and by then we should have more clarity of direction on taxes as well those are the three big things that's going on in the market right now just another question for you then with regards to that so we've got these tea leaves up here which are really uncertain where does that what does that bode for you the average uh, joe investor what is what is he doing what is, what should he be looking for and how should he can you know continue on so 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 lean into a a a a portfolio where you have some of your investments that are long term mm-hmm. okay long term business cycle thematic investments like healthcare technology those are probably sectors you never want to leave right? right and then you have stuff that's sensitive to the opening and closing down of a new business cycle those are shorter duration type t- type time frames, anywhere from three to seven, ten years. Mm-hmm. And then you have your more short-term tactical positions within 24 months. So, you know, if you had a portfolio, you would say, okay, this chunk of my portfolio is designed for short-term events in the marketplace. This part is designed for mid-range, and this part is designed for longer range. That's the way you take a look at building a properly structured portfolio. And the problem today with the flow of information, all the apps, all the TV shows, you know, all this kind of stuff that's going on out there, is people want it now, right? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes immediate gratification is just not quick enough for, for, for some investors, okay? Yeah. And so, so they tend to focus more on the tactical, the more, how can I get returns this month? Hey, I want to go on vacation next month. Let's get some, some money in the market to pay for it. You know, those types of, of, if you have too much of your money working that way, it's not going to end well for you. Yeah. So you've got to sort of bifurcate. The following program has been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. mid-range, and long-range when it comes to the investment strategy. And that's the case anytime, right? That's all the time. You would have that nice balanced portfolio. Whether you're young, whether you're middle-aged, whether you're already retired, whether yeah. you're 82 years old or not, you know, that's the way you need to be looking at it. Gotcha.
Excellent. Yep, definitely, definitely. Because just because you're retired, suppose you're retired 63, and you say, you know, hey, I'm retired. Now I want everything to be very conservative. Well, guess what? When you're 73, 83, and 93, you still need money to outpace taxes and inflation. That's why you do need some reasonable growth component of your portfolio. That's awesome. So definitely. Okay. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-ROSE-123 or 855-767-3123. I'm Larry Rosenthal. I'll be back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. The following program has Phone been pre-recorded for broadcast for at this time. and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. There are still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123 is the number to call, 855-ROSE-123, to talk to Larry Rosenthal here on the program. Larry, I had a couple of questions for you. I've been hearing a lot about these Roth conversions. People have been doing it a lot, and and I guess when is the best time to do that, especially now that we're having these rumors that taxes are going to go up? I'm not so sure they're rumors, Chris, okay? Uh, I think we are going to get a tax increase, and it's going to be in different segments of the economy. Uh, and how much and to whom is yet to be determined. Uh, I, I, I don't think it's, you know, I'm hopeful that it's not that bad, uh, but, but, you know, we, we're probably plan on it. So w- in regards to that with, with the conversion of Roth IRA money, you know, people convert to Roth, from their traditional IRAs for two reasons mainly, and that one is to get um, tax-free income later in life, and two is to pass assets on tax-free to their heirs. So think about this. Let's suppose that, you know, who knows, 10 years ago you put money into a retirement plan, you retired, you roll it over to an IRA, or whatever the case may be. You've got money sitting in a pre-tax IRA, and maybe 10 years ago you put it in in a 33% tax bracket. So you got a deduction of 33%. Today, taxes may be lower. Maybe you're in a 22% tax bracket today. So by taking some of that money and moving it out of the pre-tax 
traditional IRA that you got a 33% deduction on it and moving it to a new Roth IRA or upon a conversion, if you're in a 22% tax bracket today, you're saving 11% on the tax arbitrage alone. Mm-hmm. And now you put it into a Roth IRA as long as it's seasoned for five years, right, on the conversion or to 59 and a half, whichever is longer. And you pull it out, if you're in a higher bracket than 22%, when you pull it out, you're going to win yet again, right? Mm-hmm. So so that's one of the reasons why people are getting so active in the Roth IRA conversion conversation today, because we see a new tax uh, bill uh, or, or, or rumors of one that are going to be uh, raising taxes. That's the primary And this reason. is a nice little tool to sort of offset that a little bit, depending on how you do it, right? Well, the Roth IRA, Chris, was created basically so that President Clinton didn't have to raise taxes mm-hmm. because back in 96 or 97 when it came out he said hey man I need to raise taxes but he did not want to because he saw George um, Herbert Bush look to raise ta- said read my lips no more taxes and he raised them right yeah. he didn't win the ex- election again Clinton didn't want to do that so they created the Roth IRA which was in which was pretty smart and it enables the educated investor to take advantage of it in a good way um, and still give the government their due on taxes at the same time. So when they created the Roth IRA back in the late 90s, they said, hey, we're going we're gonna to allow you to convert as much of your pre-tax IRA to Roth as you want to, and we'll allow you four years to pay the tax on it. So it gave a huge incentive to people to do it. President Obama did the same thing in 2010. They needed to raise some taxes, or basically they needed a little bit more money to come into the Treasury. So they said, hey, if you convert taxes this year in 2010, we'll give you a two-year time frame to pay the taxes. A lot of people went out then and converted because it gave them two years to pay the taxes on it all. Win-win to me. Sounds That's good. exactly right. Yeah. So I anticipate at some point you know, whether it's this time around or some other point, we will see an administration say, you know, we need to fill the Treasury a little bit. Let's give a sweetener, convert to Roth, and we'll give you two or three or four years to pay the taxes on it. And a lot of people run out and convert. That'll drive a lot of early revenue to the government as well. So, so, you know, using the Roth IRA and a strategy for you to gain tax-free income and pass tax-free assets onto your heirs, is is a, is a good strategy to do, but you've got to make sure that you understand all the little deals and rules with it all and things like that. When when we have clients convert, we carry a personalized spreadsheet year after year on their conversions. And you've got to take a look at their tax return. You've got to also do some tax forecasting as to how old they are, uh, because you you know when when you convert from traditional IRA to Roth, that money drops right down on your uh, uh, tax return. And then all of a sudden, you know, boom, if you're in Medicare age, then, then that could end up causing you to, to have to pay more money on your Medicare premiums. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot involved with it all. And, and you can even so you bump you up do, a tax rate if you're not careful, right? Correct. That's yeah. exactly right. And so you want to do a year-by-year scenario where you look at doing a Roth conversion. Or not. Some years you convert more, some years you convert less. It just depends. But utilizing the Roth tool in financial planning is is a huge benefit that they gave us in the late 90s if you do it correctly and understand the rules. Mm-hmm. Well, amen. That's definitely yeah. You know, we had a we had a con- we had a webinar earlier this year on the do's and don'ts of Roth conversion in, in one of my webinars that I did. And, and stay tuned. You know, if you want to get some information on the pros and cons of converting to Roth or not, give us a ring eight five five Rose one two three or simply go to my website. 
LarryRosenthal.com. Fire us off an email and ask for the Roth Conversion Kit. We'd be more than happy to send it out to you. Good morning, Wanda. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you? I have a long-term care policy. My husband and I had it. He got sick. And, um, you know, you have to use or have four of five things before you can cash in. And he was not able. He had almost everything to cash in the policy except for one thing. We never were able to cash it in, and he died. And we had nothing from the policy. And my policy is now going up every year. And I'm taking less benefits on the policy. So I'm wondering, I'm one of those people that is thinking, is this really worth it? Um, When we lost the whole policy, never could cash it in, and he was sick. So, so Juan, yes, Juan, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your situation there with your husband, husband passing. And you, when, when it comes to triggering the benefit on a long-term care policy, there's what they call ADLs, activities of daily living. And in order for a policy to be triggered and kick out benefits, you need to meet two of them. Okay, And if two of them have been met, then the policy should pay in most cases. Um, and that's probably what the, the issue was was that there wasn't two of the five that were actually meant, uh, met. Um, now, as far as your policy goes, let's pivot and take a look at your policy. Um, you know, we can take a look at, at the cost of your policy, if it's better to change a policy. Maybe not, okay, um, and to see how much benefit you actually need based off of your assets and, and, and other liabilities and things like that. So if you want, I, I can put you on hold, and we'll have one of our advisors follow up with you to do a, a breakdown of your existing policy for you and help you make those decisions. Is that okay? Yes, that would be great. Thank you. Absolutely. Let me put you on hold, Wanda, and Bob will get some basic information from you, and we'll have someone reach out to you and and visit with you about your long-term care insurance, okay? Oh, thank you so much. Absolutely. God bless. Drive safe. Hello, Miles. Good morning. Welcome to the show. How can I help you? How are you? I'm well. I would like to see if uh, all my bases are covered or maybe there's something else I need to do. Okay. I currently have... I currently have, uh, I retired from uh, the state of Pennsylvania. Um, I received, after taxes and stuff, about a $6,000 pension. I did the uh, reduction, so my wife gets the same thing if uh, that happens. I currently get uh, anywhere from 60 to 80% military disability, and I'm waiting on my check at 60 from that. I currently have about... I invested in life insurance with my mother um, before she passed, a policy that I took control of and, you know, whatever care she would need. So I have the benefits of that, about 300000 in the bank. And currently I have uh, I've done estate planning. I have a CPA who does my taxes every year and uh, a financial person, plus I go to educational for um, stocks and trading and different things here in the villages where I live. 
So it sounds like to me, Miles, it sounds like to me, and I have clients that live down there as well in the villages. I just realized you were in the mm-hmm. villages there. Yep. Um, it sounds like to me, Miles, that that um, you've you've got a lot of things covered, okay? Um, but mm-hmm. at this point, what I would suggest to answer your question is maybe have a second opinion. You said you're working with an okay. advisor, okay? You've got this, that, and the mm-hmm. other going on. You threw a lot at me right there. <clears throat> but in a, in a mm-hmm. case like this, what I would suggest is if you want – We'll be happy to take mm-hmm. a second look at everything that's going on for you and give you some verification on it, or maybe say, "Hey, mm-hmm. have you thought about this or considered that?" That's one of the, that's one of the ways that we might be able to help you. Does that sound fair? Yeah. So if you want, I'll go ahead and <coughs> excuse me. I'll go ahead and put you on hold, and Bob will get some of your information, and we'll have one of our mm-hmm. advisors reach out to you to set up a time okay. that we can talk to you about uh, get, giving you basically a second opinion on your financial planning, okay? What's the charge for? We don't charge for, for our first meeting, okay? So our first meeting, there's no charge, and we'll, take a, uh-huh. a, a good under, we'll get a good understanding of what your goals are, your time frame, and things like that. And then if you decide that you want to go forward into a second meeting, then we would tell you, you know, if you want us to build a financial plan, yes or no, uh, what the cost would be for that. Uh-huh. And that, that uh-huh. will basically hire us to give you a complete x-ray of what's going on and and that way there's no pressure or anything like that because you're you're hiring us to to do an an evaluation basically of your situation. Yep. So it would be a one time uh, type of a thing like that. Okay. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right. Well, let me place you on hold, Miles, and we'll be happy to help you and um and and kind of go from there. And you know, at the end of our meeting, when you meet with one of us, if you want, you you can take the information back to your current advisor and say, hey. Have you thought about this? I want to do this or, you know, do whatever you want. So so there's no pressure to, to work with us on it since you're paying us for the planning time, okay? That's how we'll work uh, it for yep. you. Yep, very yep. good. Absolutely. Let me put okay. you on hold here, and Bob will get your information. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Hey, let's go ahead and welcome Becky on the line from Illinois. Good morning, Becky. How are you today? I'm doing very well. How are you today? I'm well. How can I help you? Good. Um, My question is, we've been a paycheck-to-paycheck family our entire married life. Um, All of our children have outgrown and left the nest. Occasionally one pops back in and out. We have no savings for retirement, um, but now I am currently on permanent disability, uh, and and I am receiving Social Security for that, which is very minimal. is there any way to begin a savings program on our small income now, or is it too late for retirement for us, for a retirement well, income? Well, Becky, I'm sorry to hear about your disability, and no, it's not too late. And yes, you can start. And we're going to start with our financial planning toolkit. I'm going to have Bob send it out to you because that's going to help us understand what your income is now, what your expenses are now, and then we're going to show you how to take a look down the road as your family approaches more towards retirement. Okay, we'll, okay. we'll talk mm-hmm. to you about how to reduce some expenses, uh, and and possibly, you know, we we also need to take a look at at the the type of investments that you can have and cannot have. Uh, maybe you need a special needs trust 
things like that. I don't know what the whole situation is right there, but, but we, we, we can definitely help you with our financial planning toolkit. I'm going to put you on hold here, okay, and Bob will get some basic contact information from you. We'll send it out to okay. you next week and have one of our advisors give you a follow-up free phone call to discuss it and show you how to get planning in that direction, okay? Well, that would be phenomenal. Thank you so much. It relieves quite a bit of stress to know absolutely. that's available to me. Yep, absolutely, Becky. You have a great weekend. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show. Dial us up at 855-ROSE-123, 855-ROSE-123, or 855-767-3123 with any of your financial planning or investment questions. Let's welcome Kathleen on the line from Massachusetts. Good morning, Kathleen. How are you today? Hi. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you? I'm calling in regard to the um, the rules about if a if a spouse is on disability income, how much income are they allowed to make in addition to their disability check? Um, I believe that's by state, and I'd have to look that up. I, I don't know. Um, is 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 it a private insurance disability? Is it state? from you or federal disability through Social Security? Um, it's, it's through Social Security. So, um, you know what, Kathleen? I'm going to have to look that up real quick. I don't know it right off the top of my head. I know where I can find it. Um, uh, but uh, I'm going to put you on hold, and we'll have somebody get back with you earlier this week. Uh, or I'm sorry, oh, earlier, er, earlier next, early next week to give you the answer to that question. I've read the whole tax code. And I, you know, well, I haven't really read the whole tax code, but I've skimmed it. <laughs> How's that sound? Um, and I just don't know the okay. answer to that one off the top of my question. We need to send you a prize. That's a good thing. Chris is laughing here, well, and I'm Bob just, is know. cracking up in the background. You got me, Kathleen. Okay. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna All we're right. gonna solve we're gonna solve this for you, okay? Let me put you on hold. I appreciate the phone call. You listen to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at eight five five Rose one two three, eight five five seven six seven three one two three. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be back in a couple of moments. Give us a ring eight five five seven six seven three one two three. You listen to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. Are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. Proper financial planning the following program has been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. the third rung of the ladder when you're trying to climb to the top of the roof. Make sure your insurance is aligned properly. Make sure you have the right types of homeowners, auto, umbrella, disability, long-term care, life insurance, just to name a few. Financial planning starts with a firm foundation, and that foundation is your insurance. Then take a look at your cash flow. Are you able to save money? Save it in the proper places. Retirement planning, traditional IRAs, traditional 401k plans, Roth IRAs. Make sure that the dollars are actually working for you towards your investment objectives.
You've seen and heard him on Fox Business, CNBC, and The Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show. North Carolina. Good morning, Sandy. How are you? Hey, good. I'm great. Thank you. Absolutely. How can I help you? Yes, um, my son purchased a home this year, and he was talked into a variable rate. So I just want to know maybe what his plan of action should be and in the taxes that may be going up. You know, how long is he going to be in this home, Sandy? Well, he should be. I mean, this is kind of a forever home unless he sells it. So um, I would, he I would be in it for a while. I would probably tell him to get a 30-year fixed because okay. on, on an adjustable and, rate, what how, what's the term on the adjustable rate? I'm not sure about that. Yeah, it could be a, a, a an annual adjustable. It could be a 3-1, a 5-1, a 10-1, meaning after five years it adjusts, after three years it adjusts, after 10 years it adjusts. But at these rates right now on a 30-year loan, it's very, very low, and then he never, never has to worry about interest rates right. going up again. And interest right. rates are extremely low right now, okay? So there's a chance that they're going to go up versus down, over the next 10, 15 years of his life. So I would look at getting okay. a 30-year note on that, okay? Is is there a time period that you can do that? Because he just purchased this about um, eight months ago. No, I'm sure he can refinance right now, right into it. I, I, I doubt okay. that there's a penalty. You would have to look to see if there's a penalty on the existing loan for an early refinance or so, something like that. But just, just – okay. Have him talk to a mortgage person. You know, if you want, I, I can have our mortgage person give him a call, uh, and he okay. can help help review and work his way through that. Let me put you on hold, and Bob will get your okay. information, and he'll send it right over to Troy, and Troy will give you a ring, okay? Sure. Thank you. All right, Sandy, let me put you on hold just one second. Let's welcome Debbie on the line in Maryland. Good morning, Debbie. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you? Um. Okay, so... I am 62. I um, I'll have disability uh, Social Security, but I work because I know you know you can make a certain amount of money, and I own a condo. Um, so um, but anyways, I'm thinking about um, because my grandkids um live in another state, so um, um, I want to um move and rent out my condo. For about a year, just to see, you know, give it a try to see um, if I like it where I'm at. Um, but so my question to you is, if you rent out, um, you know, your house, is that counted against income against you? Even though I'm going to rent something else, though. Yes. Do you know? Yes, because you're receiving rental income, so yes, that would be taxable income to you. Uh, Yes. And Hmm. so the way you want to look at this, Debbie, is, you know, what can you get from your rent on your on your condo? And then how much is it going to cost you each month to move to the new place that you want to do? Right. So. So, you know, where where do you where where do you draw the line on this? You know, as as far as all that goes, is your condo paid for or do you still have a mortgage on it? No, I I still have a mortgage on it. So what's the objective of you wanting to rent the condo out? Do you want to be a landlord? Well, I couldn't. No, I don't want to really be a landlord. But I don't know. It's like a secure. I want to um, just rent it instead of selling it outright right away. Um, I don't know. Is so? Is 
I mean, do you think I should sell it? I mean, because I just don't know where I'm. It's it's not for it's in Delaware where I'm, I want to move to. That's where my grandchildren are. But I want to. I guess I want to just give it a trial, you know, to see that you know that's where I like. I want to be, and that's where I like. So I would rather just rent. Yeah, I I, I, I hear what you're saying. Year. Yep, I I I kind of agree with rent going to a new place. When you go to a new place, maybe rent for six months to a year. I have no problems with that at all. Here's what I want to do for you, Debbie. I'm going to send you out our financial planning toolkit because okay. it's going to help uh, help you know bring the guardrails in a little bit on a lot of your questions. You know, should you rent? Should you sell? What should you do on the other end? Um, what about the uh-huh. income taxes, all that kind of stuff? So I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on hold, and and Bob will get some of your information, and we'll send you out our financial planning toolkit, and so have someone follow up with you on it to sort of guide you through this discussion a little bit. Because okay, you know, great. But one more question: If I if you I've heard a lot of different things. If I do sell my condo here, do I have to do I have to um you have a certain amount of time to reinvest it like as far as you have to buy something else? Like what if I don't want to buy something else necessarily? So no, so there's a lot of different rules with that. What you could be talking about is a 1031 uh, exchange. That's not the case on this here, but if you're <clears throat> um if you've lived in your house, your primary residence two of the last 5 years, if you're single, right. you have a you have tax-free gains of up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and you don't yeah, have okay. to plow that into another house at all. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. Great. And um, married filing jointly okay. is five hundred thousand. So, let me put you on hold, and I'll go ahead and get that information out to you. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you. Yep, appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. We've got somebody on line two here. Go ahead. Uh, Anonymous. There we are. How can I help you, sir or ma'am? Yes, yes. Last year in February, we moved our elderly parents out of state closer to us. And we put their house up for sale and sold their home. And recently, we received a settlement from the house sale. And my question is, what can we do to avoid capital gains penalties? And what are what other options do we have to invest this money? Well, <clears throat> I don't know if you have capital gains penalties. You may have capital gains tax, okay? Um, okay. And you know, if if you've already sold that asset, the only way that you can offset any of it is if you have losses carried forward on on the tax return. So it's probably not avoidable, um, unless there's losses already booked on your tax return to to offset it. Um, the the question needed to be addressed maybe beforehand, but if the if the transaction's already taken place, then you've got the capital gain. Okay, so then we'll be responsible for paying those penalties or those taxes. Somebody will be, yeah. I mean, I don't know the origin of the house or the ownership or anything like that. Um, You know, have you worked with a a tax preparer on this? Have you asked a CPA this question? No, we have not. So if if you're working with a tax preparer, I would would recommend to – to take the whole transaction by him or her and show them. You know, I I don't have Mm -hmm. the information needed to really – give you a, the correct answer right here <laughs> over over the airways. Okay. Okay. doke Yes. Thank you so much. Welcome, Beth, on the line from Florida. Good morning, Beth. How are you? Good morning, Larry. I'm doing well. Um, I have a tax question. Uh, my husband and I live in Florida currently, and he has 
taken a position in uh, Manhattan, New York. And my question is, um, we currently are residents in Florida. Uh, the contract's for one year, and we don't know if we're going to maintain living in um, that area. We're going to live in Long Island and commute into Manhattan, or he is to work. Um, two questions. One, as far as um, taxes go, should we transfer our residency from Florida to New York? And then my second question is, I have heard rumor that if I live outside of New York, but I work in like Manhattan, that I, I tax an additional amount, um, kind of like a penalty for living outside of the city. So, Beth, this is a perfect question for a, for a CPA, a tax preparer, okay? Um, okay. I would turn this over to my CPA to ask that question. I don't have the answer to you as far as that goes because I know <clears throat> as employers have employees located in different states, some, diff- some states require different things, <clears throat> and I don't know the rules on that. So I, w- I would turn this over to your tax preparer. Do you have a, a tax preparer or a CPA that you work with? I do. I do. Yep. Um, this is a question for him or her. Yep, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Okay, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yep. Have a good absolutely. day. You listen to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. But go ahead and welcome Marlon on the line for Maryland. Good morning, Marlon. How are you today? I am fine. I'm fine. I, I kind of needed some help. I, I work for an institution um which which presently closed down right now, but in my retirement plan, I have about $100,000. I have no clue on what to do and how to get get my money invested in the right way so that I can be the beneficiary of it. I have no way, so I need some help. Okay, well, then I can, I can have someone reach out to you next week and get the details and then maybe give you some direction on who to call or send an email to or something like that. Would that be helpful? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would be fine. Okay, let me place you on hold, and Bob will get some of your contact information. We'll have someone reach out to you next week, Marlon. Appreciate the phone call. Uh, let's go ahead and welcome Ann on the line from Maryland as well. Ann's back. Hi, uh, Larry. I would like to know whatever happened to the judiciary law. When did it subside? The judiciary law? It seems to have law? gone off the books in its entirely. The judiciary law? Yes, that was uh, whereby uh, uh, whomever, say your advisor, was supposed to take an oath as to say they would treat the client or the customer. Oh, you're talking about the DOL law. Is that DOL? What does that stand for? Department of Labor Fiduciary Rule. Right. Yes. Okay. So so that that was – so for those that don't understand what's going on, the question is what happened mm-hmm. to the fiduciary rule? Well, right. there's, there, there, the fiduciary rule for the Department of Labor has been kind of done away with, and now the SEC's got with Reg BI, which there's always been fiduciary accounts. In other words, advisors can put money into what would be called a non-fiduciary account or a fiduciary account today, Ann. Okay, so when you're working with an advisor, you want to ask them, am I going into a fiduciary account or a non-fiduciary account? The Department of Labor rule was going to have every all the accounts move up the ladder toward fiduciary, okay? Um, but now there's still fiduciary accounts. 
So you can ask you can ask your advisor, are you working with me in the capacity of a fiduciary or not? And they will have to tell you. And one of the ways that you ask your, your advisor is, are they licensed? Do they have a Series 65 license? If they don't, then they can't put money into, into uh, or they're very limited in scope. Um, well, actually, I don't believe they can put money into a fiduciary account. So that's how you go about asking. So it's still there. It's always been there, okay? Yes. Um, so, so that's how you want to ask the, the, the advisor. Okay. The reason why I'm asking is because <clears throat> I took out an IRA about, six, about uh, 2006 and only to transfer it in 2016. And at that time, I had a rider, a rider for my son because he was young, and I didn't know if anything would happen to me. And uh, I went to another uh, financial company, I'll say it like another local bank, to, and I changed my IRA over, transferred my IRA over to them. And somehow or another, it got to become an income rider. I, I, I can't... I. I was reading the uh, paperwork and the uh, policy and so forth, which I just received. And I cannot, for the life of me, understand where the income rider came from. Nevertheless, they're telling me my signature is there. So, Ann, it sounds like to me, without seeing all these policies and things, that you put money into an indexed annuity, Okay. That gave you a bonus of ten thousand dollars, and it has an income rider attached to it. Usually, that type of an account is not inside a fiduciary account. It could be, but usually it's not. Okay, um, so it sounds like to me that your money's inside an annuity with an income rider. So the big question is: is you know, it, and is I'm paying. Excuse me, I am paying. It cost me eighteen hundred dollars. So there's there's probably a fee. Was there a fee to transfer the old contract to the new contract, or is there an annual fee on the new contract? No, I did not see uh, either one, sir. I did not see either one. What's the $1,800 from then? <clears throat> it's the way I understand it, and I'm looking at the uh, statements, which I did not get for a year from – the local bank. I had to call AIG for the statement. That was another situation. But in answer to your question, it's just the fees that I have to pay for the uh, for the service. It's cost me eighteen hundred dollars. I'd have to look at it. I don't. I don't. Because usually there's fees inside an annuity when you have a rider like that. Okay. I don't know if the advisor's charging you something on top of that. I I, I don't know what the situation is, but here's here's what I can do, Ann. I can I can put you on hold and let Bob get some of your contact information and we can have one of our advisors give you a quick ring next week to get more in the to get more into the details of this to see if there's anything that we can do to maybe help you, okay? I appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely. I appreciate the phone call. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. 
Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. It's Dr. Larry Rosenthal here in studio with us today. You know, Larry, I hear a lot of people talking about tax-deferred annuities, and I would like to know a little more myself. So I've got the expert in front of me, and three, two, one, go. <laughs> sure, three, two, one, go. There you go, Chris. Okay. Um, you know, you, you. I don't know where you're getting all your information here, Chris. I'm but, a smart but guy. You're hitting me with all kinds. I know you are. But you're hitting me with all kinds of tax questions this week. My wife would say, you're really, really smart when you're sleeping. Right. You know, i got to tell everybody, too. I come in the studio prepared to talk about certain subjects. And it's open mic Saturday. And Chris says, all right, let me hit you with some questions. No worries, but it's all good. So so, uh, that's fine. But let's tackle it because it is in the theme of some of the information we wanted to talk about today, which is, you know, corporate earnings, inflation pressures, and future taxation. And with future taxation looking to be like it could be on the rise, tax-deferred annuities are becoming a big part of conversations with a lot of clients across the country. And so let's just throw it out there. First of all, you know, if I brought in, and I've said this for years on the air here, if, if I bring in 100 advisors from around the country, you know, the first third are going to tell you never buy an annuity of any type. Mm-hmm. The second third are going to say only buy annuities. And the, and the middle third are going to say, you know what, in some cases an annuity is good, and in some cases not so good. So I happen to be in that camp, okay, in the middle. I see the value of annuities for certain people and for other people. I've told them they don't need them, okay. And it just depends on the, f- on the you know, the finances and things like that and the objectives of the financial, you know, who's doing the financial planning and wealth creation, wealth wealth building stuff. So so you've got three types of annuities, Chris. All three of them can house non-IRA money or IRA money, okay? And today with taxes rising, annuities for non-IRA money are becoming are getting getting a second look now because of the tax deferred growth. So if you're in a situation where your capital gains could be going up or your ordinary income taxes could be going up because remember in a non-IRA account you get dividends and short-term capital gains from funds or stocks and things like that. That's taxed to you as ordinary income, right? If it was inside of a, ver- of, a of an annuity, that would be tax deferred. So, so no matter where you are on the income spectrum, a tax deferred annuity, whether it's a fixed annuity, an equity indexed annuity, or a variable annuity, brings to the table in rising tax environments tax sheltered, tax deferred money. So, so that's why they're becoming, you know, back in, in, in the public site now is, hey, what about these annuities? You know, maybe we should take another look at them there. If I'm able to save, you know, 11 12% compound interest growth on my money or whatever it may be, depending on your, your scenario, uh, that could be a good thing for you. So, so fixed annuities, again, grow tax deferred, meaning there's no taxes while the money's in there. And a fixed annuity is going to give you the rate of return of about a good bank CD. So very, very low today. All right. The second type of an annuity is what we would call an indexed or an equity indexed annuity where the performance is pegged to an index like the S&P 500 or the AFI or, or uh, the NASDAQ or something like that. Okay. And, and in that type of a scenario, there are what they call annual or monthly caps. In other words, it'll probably end up getting a 4 to 6% long-term rate of return. Some of the problems with these types of annuities are that they're, they're illiquid in a lot of cases, so you need to ask those questions, but they do bring to the table tax deferral. 
Uh, they also bring to the table some guaranteed minimum growth on future income protection. Same with a variable annuity. A variable annuity gives you a varying ra- various rate of return because it's tied to the market inside what they call sub-accounts that act like mutual funds. Um, so there's various fees in, in the different types of annuities depending on the bells and whistles that you get. So, so if you're looking to put money away for long term inside of a tax-deferred annuity because you want to shelter from taxes, make sure you're talking to your advisor and say, hey, give me a breakdown of the three types of annuities. And then take a look at, and then the next question would be, show me all the different bells and whistles or riders that can go on this annuity. Some of them have guaranteed performance numbers as far as future income goes. Some of them have guaranteed death benefits that rise each year with or without the market. I mean, there's all types of benefits that you can add on to an annuity. And yes, you do pay for those. In some cases, I wouldn't recommend it. In some cases, I would. It just depends on your objective. So, so you know, just like any investment product out there, Chris, whether it's a mutual fund, an ETF, an option trading strategy, individual bonds, annuities, there are pros and cons with all of them, all of them. And annuities, the three types, fixed, indexed annuities, or variable annuities, all have pros and cons associated with them. And so do your due diligence, but they are becoming more popular today because of the tax conversation of taxes going up. People want to shelter money inside some of these annuities. Some of these annuities, you can put the money in today and pull it out tomorrow with no penalties. Some annuities require you to keep the money there for several years or else there's a back-end penalty if you pull more than, say, 10% out each year. So so there's all kinds of education that you need to do on these different types of annuity programs. So um, good choice, uh, you know, as, as far as tax deferral goes, not for everybody, mm-hmm. but they are for, for some. And, 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 you know, they do deliver guaranteed income, which is the primary investment objective of those types of They annuities. get a little attractive uh, or more attractive when you start talking about the writers, though, those little things that you can add on to them versus what they used to have, which was nothing, right? Sure. You know, if, if, you, if, if you put money into an annuity and, and the value of it, let's say you're in a variable annuity and the, and the market value starts to go down, 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 your principal is being lost. But if you have a guaranteed income protected rider, mm-hmm. your income base could be going up, up, up every year while your cash value is going down. You know, and you, can, you have the, the privilege of pulling money out in an income stream based off of that rider's value. So, so there's a lot to be said for taking a look at that when, when your goal is you know, tax deferral and guaranteed minimal incomes at a certain age down the road. Yeah. Um, you know, and, 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 then, and then you can also talk about the opposite of that, saying, hey, well, you know what? You can build an income production portfolio, you know, an income producing portfolio outside of an annuity, maybe save some fees. Yeah, but you don't get tax deferral and you don't get the guarantees. So there's pros and cons to it just like there's pros and cons to every single investment yeah, vehicle out there. And that's the point. The educated investor, you know, you've heard of of asset allocation, and we've talked about tax allocation. And what we're talking about now specifically is product allocation. You know, why just have only stocks? Why just have only ETFs or mutual funds or just annuities? There's pros and cons to all of them, and, and a well-rounded portfolio is going to have an eye on all of them. You might not have all the different products inside your investment portfolio, but at least get educated to see exactly what each one of them do. Looking at the clock there, Larry, we are just about out of time for another wonderful program. The hour always goes by fast with you each week, Chris. It does so. go by fast. It's yep. very enjoyable and very informative information that we get from you. 
Well, I appreciate that. Appreciate yeah. that. So, hey, check us out uh, each week here on Making Money Sense uh, from nine to ten a.m. on uh, WAVA as well as Sirius XM one thirty one. So, for Bob in the back answering the phones, great job again today, Bob and Chris McKay. I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week, and we'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense. Here for you 24 hours a day. 105.1 FM, WAVA. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50 year old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars.